Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for TLT Round 3, Supercoach episode for the week. We had our first talking footy episode at the end of last week, which was fantastic. Got Matty Person on to chat all things rugby league. We'll have the same thing this week. We've got Luke Garrity on at the end of the week for the talking footy episode, which should drop Thursday right before the games kick off for the round. So that's going to be an exciting one. But for the Supercoach TLT episode for Round 3... We have none other than Billy back again. Billy, been a couple of weeks, mate. I wanted to get you on because it is a huge week in Supercoach with the break-evens. How have you been going? Not too bad. Missed a lot of the uh, fatalities, but also haven't exactly got a cemetery quarter that's going to try it. So it's <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> but at least it's a start, mate. I, uh, um, yeah, about sort of the top 20% at the moment. N- nothing bad, just nothing sort of great at the moment, but sitting really, really happy this week. Looking forward to making the surge. Yeah, it was a pretty hard round, and I think that's understanding it. There was a lot of carnage. We obviously, obviously had guys like Jackson Ford and Kalen Ponga both go, like on yeah. zero and one point, depending on the update. And uh, it just was really tough because some teams had both of those guys. There was obviously Brandon Smith throwing out a, a seven that updated to a 10, and it was just carnage all around. And there were some other guys that obviously didn't fire. So, I mean... Someone like Teddy, who I captained, was so close to scoring 100, but didn't. And everyone was like, oh, no, 50s again. Then Adam Dewey, you know, another popular captain choice, and, and Nathan Cleary, uh, around the same area, if not worse. Yeah, Dewey, Tigers are horrible. Dewey was on seven points at one point. I remember thinking, like, how can you be a supporter of this team? They're at home. My eyes are bleeding. They just keep throwing it away. It was it was almost as bad, as tough as watching um your Chooks play round one, just dropping the ball. But if the Tigers were in attack with no one in front of them, then dropping it. <laughs> it's just a bit different. No, it was, it was a bad round of footy uh, for Supercoach. And I think the scores reflected that, right? Like the average was just over, you know, right around a 1,000 sort of thing. And I think uh, I, was, I made the comment on a couple of chats that I was in that eight head-to-heads that were running, uh, some others don't start until round three. Out of the eight head-to-heads that were running, I won six of them and I didn't score a 1,000 points. So that probably says how tough it was out there. Uh, it's, it's a tough couple of weeks for me. I started off pretty poorly. I had a bit of a better week this last week. But I think one of the things that's key for everyone to remember going into round three is this, this is when it really starts. And a lot of the discrepancies of 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 in rank is only a matter of 40, 50 points. It's not, it's not a lot of points that you have to make up. So everything's really, really tight. And that's why we're going to see some really big swings the next couple of weeks. And we're also going to start hitting the popular teams with the buys, right? So that's the other thing. You know, we've we've got Penrith coming up to the buy now. Uh, that's got some popular players, including Nathan Cleary, who we'll talk about. And we've got the Roosters after that. So I think that that coupled with the price changes, you shouldn't be too worried about where you're ranked at the moment. I'm not, but maybe I'm just saying that because it's been a real hard start for me, Billy. Yeah, I think you'll find there'll be some organic course correction there too. Um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to a lot of the people at the top of the ladder, but just as an example, you know, I'm in a lot of sort of decent $100, $200 comp sort of buy-ins and I won all those with like a dime 
80 or something or other. A lot, some of them by a significant margin, but the, all, all the competitions I lost and a lot of the other guys in the same comps lost were your sort of public comps and like the ones that are non-monetary, like they were just getting beat by blokes scoring 1,100. But when you go and have a look at them, They've missed out on a lot of the, um, the 30, 40% owned ones that went when they have guys like you know, Peter Hiku and you're like, what the <laughs> Why? So I think you'll find some organic course correction with um, some of the people that are kind of uh, playing, playing a lot more prolifically. Yeah, and you saw, like, no disrespect to the team of the week that came first, but it isn't built to last. So it's uh, certainly... Well, of course it's not. It's full of uh, eels. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go there with you, mate, but, yes, it does have... Quite a large eels flavour to it. So it was... Um, and uh, someone pointed out they've got every single eel under the sun except uh, Moses. <laughs> Not even that fan model <laughs> Well, I mean, even Penasini <laughs> was in the centre wing. So, I mean, I, I really wanted Sebo for the weekend. I was really keen on Sebo. I bet him to score a double. Uh, but I couldn't get him in. And Sebo yeah, is one thing to have in your centre wing that is a bit of a hand grenade matchup. But... Have Penasini next to him. It was quite a strange team. So, but that probably gives everybody, you know, an idea of how things are running at the moment. There was a guy that I know quite well that's in one of our groups who was ranked in the top 1500, I'm pretty sure. He scored about 150 points below me. And like I said, I didn't even get to a thousand. He was in the 700s. So that's that's how much of a brutal round it is and how quickly things can turn around at the moment. Uh, like Billy said, though, it will normalize, but Look, let's talk about what we're going to do on the podcast for tonight. We're going to do a brief round review. So we're going to have a quick look at the top point scorers and a little bit of the trends and things that just happened. So we'll continue this discussion. We're going to have a strategy chat with the price changes looming. We really need to unpack the break evens and what it means and what your strategy should be. Then we're going to go straight into market watch for round three, looking at the top 10 trading in and outs and review that. And we're going to also review the break even trends for the uh, top break-evens. Round three preview, each game, notable lineup changes, sit-and-play decisions, port options, CVC. We'll go through everything and we'll finish off with some game predictions as well. So, look, it's going to be a big podcast, Billy. Supercoach is really well and truly ramping up, but you can definitely say that last week. We talked about the lows, right? And obviously there were a lot of lows with those low scores, but we also had a week where we finally got some big ones. And, you know, week one, I think that top score was 110 points. And week two, we didn't have anything above the 120s. This week, we've got a real big monster. We've finally got our first whale score. Jacob Carraz, 148 points. And memes going around at the moment for Jermaine Hopgood, 124 points. Two weeks in a row that he's absolutely brained it and got 100 plus. And, uh, and big Tino coming through with 111 again as well. So, there were some big top scorers, uh, probably some of the other big guns as well that I think people have been relying on. So we had six tons. Someone like Dylan Brown came up with 105. But then we also had some guys who kind of came out of nowhere, like Will Kennedy, 106 points, and Reese Walsh at 105 points as well. And Reese Walsh, I, I think a, a lot of people thought he'd go well. I don't think many people thought that he would go as well as what he did. So... Only six tons, Billy, but we did have that first big one of almost 150 plus. Yeah, he's an absolute weapon, though. I remember watching um, Facebook thread, Facebook thread yesterday, seeing, seeing a few comments saying, you know, watch all the points chase to jump on Karaznik next week with all the uh, emoticons. And I remember thinking, dude, you've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he's, he's, 
he's a gun. He always has been. It's just nice to see a, a, a decent forward pack that he can play off. So the fact that a bloke can rack up, what, 30 points a game where he get up 10 tackle busts and, and offloads, and now all of a sudden gets the clutch attack, you know, back, back to back. It's it's a really good platform to spring off. So 100% that 148, whatever it is, isn't an anomaly. It's, a, uh, it's what you can look forward to for the rest of the year, not every week, but uh, the, his attack is there. Yeah, we're going to go through some of these options in a lot of detail shortly, but just for a bit of a stat attack for you on the round, five out of the top eight scores were all pods under 10%. 14 of the top 20 scores for the round were all pods, and half of them were 3% and under. So very much a trend that there was a lot of the lower-owned guys that fired. There wasn't that many. You know, Someone like Hopgood getting 124 doesn't really move the needle much because he's in 70% of teams. And then there wasn't really hugely popular guys even outside of the pod territory. Like Reed Marnie was at 11%. Tino, who was the third best scorer of the round, was at 12.4%. It's really trying to jump on some of these pods, Billy, because they're the ones that are really getting some rockets. And when you have a look at that, you know, unpacking the round, if you've got 14 out of 20 scores that are all from pods and half of them are extreme pods, you can really see why there's so much discrepancy between some coaches as well uh, and some of the teams at the top maybe not looking as good as as what their ranks are or maybe looking a bit vulnerable when you see those team of the weeks and stuff. It's because there's a lot of these pod guys firing. That should even out, surely. You know, normally we see guys like Cleary and Teddy and so forth have big weeks and stuff. It hasn't happened round two with a lot of the big guns. It didn't really happen the round before that, but, you know, does it happen round three? Does it start to correct itself? Yeah, you'll see some of the um, the, the five-game rolling averages start to creep in soon. You'll get the three-gamer, then the five-gamer, and then all of a sudden it'll, it'll level out, like you said. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to come back to the playing field because a lot of clever coaches will take those points then start benching them against the tougher matchups and or, or using them as platforms as someone else pretty quickly. I mean, there's lots of guys this week that look like good platforms. So blokes that have been able to score well doesn't necessarily mean they have to play them again this week or next, but certainly gives them a springboard. So now it's just about sort of tactics and how they're going to utilise that advantage. Yeah, so, I mean, let's have a bit of a strategy talk about the price changes because after this round, price changes are going to happen. So this is your last chance to make sure that your team builds there where you've got the the big money makers. And also uh, if you've got any guys that were a mistake or that are going to lose a lot of money that aren't a top gun that you might want to get out, now's the time to do it. So for me, Billy, I think obviously the first thing that you look at is who, who are the biggest break-evens and you kind of go from there. Uh, if you're looking at a pure cash cow, I think when you're, you're dissecting the top cash cows for a round, three things for me. One, obviously, the biggest break-even is what you're looking for. Uh, two is are they starting and getting 80 minutes? And then the third thing is like the holy grail of would you actually start this person? Would, would this be a cow that you can actually play? And if they tick all three of those boxes, they're a golden cow. And you don't get many like that. You don't get many who are massive break-even, uh, going to start and play 80 minutes, and also going to be very playable and someone that you know want in your 17 or even in your starting 13. These are those are probably the three key points for me when I'm having a look at these cows. What about you? Yeah, exactly the same. But there's probably two more in that category as well. Like there's your actual price point. Um, just because someone's got a negative 50 break even, they might be priced at 500k versus 200k. So there's obviously more propensity for rises in there in the long term as opposed to the short one when you're stuck with it. And they might go down again before you get a chance to trade them out. So it'll be 
you've got to capitalise on that, otherwise you get stuck with them. Fifthly, are they actually a keeper? So uh, as a quick example, like why um, I missed the um, uh, the Hamiso run, I kind of figured it, I don't rate him that much, low floor, not really keen on him. He's pulled my pants down and scored, what, 50 and 70 or something, right? I've got a massive break even but priced at that point, I'm going to take Tohu Harris and um, the and, and Karaz instead. Why? Because I think they're going to score a lot more points and they're going to, and they're going to increase in increase what 50, 60, 70k each as well. And I much prefer to have them in my team long term and miss the cash injection from from Hamiso because I'm going to get it in other guys as well. Maybe not as much, but I don't have to waste trade getting out again. So think about it that way as well. Yeah, this is interesting because this is great because I like it when we disagree a little bit or just have slightly different views on yeah. on our strategies for things. I'm actually uh, I'm actually going a different way. So and, and it's probably one of the important things with strategy. There's no definitive way, and it's very team dependent as well. What Billy said, I agree with as well. You need to make sure you're getting points, and I'm going to get to that. But someone like Hammer, second biggest break even that you can get, like the negative break evens. It's the second biggest negative break even behind Hopgood. So to me, I have to get that cash in because you Billy raised a really good point about price point. And that's why I'd say it's so important because he's he's at such a low price point that you're going to save $250,000 on him versus buying a gun or a semi-gun. So that's two hundred fifty grand that you've already got in your pocket to spend elsewhere. Plus he should make... 200 grand pretty quickly because he's got some pretty good matchups coming for a few weeks. So you've already got, it's all of a sudden you've got 450,000 to play with around your team. And to me, that's so important at the start to have, make sure you get on those premium cash making guys, because there's a lot of guys that are going to make money, Billy, you know, we could go through and probably find 50 guys that are going to go up this week, but which ones are the ones that are the most essential. And, And to me, the hammer looks like he's going to make the most money. Uh, aside from obviously Hopgood, who's pretty much in every team, just about or should be. So I've actually prioritised him over those points, guys. Do you already have Preston there? Because I would have him as the first one to get in, which only leaves what two two, two other trades. So would you be going uh, Hamiso first or second? What, what, what would be the priority order? Um, I think it's really team dependent. And, and I mean, look, this is the other strategy too, because, you know, I came in, grabbing heaps of the mid-range second rowers. And I know a lot of people did. But to me, like when I look at my team, I basically got like one gun second rower in David Fafita, who I'm not going to get rid of. And then all the rest are guys that have big negative break-evens. Like I even got on a a Cardi, for instance. Uh, The only really option that I have to go to Preston, and I still may do it, is a a Trent Liera. He's the only one that doesn't have a negative break-even that's in my back row or is someone that's the gun. Yeah. So he's probably the only option. So that's the thing, right? Um, my my back row is already set up where I've actually picked pretty good options. Trent Liero is the only one that hasn't fired, but, I mean, his break-even is still pretty low. So do I bother wasting that trade on a Preston? But whereas my centre wing, and this is where it's important to talk strategy because it really comes down to your team, my centre wing has guys that I have to trade out. So I need to trade them to someone. So that that's why I've got Hammer prioritised over Preston at the moment for my team. Yeah, fair enough. Comes down to, yeah, that's probably the sixth point as well. So what players do you have in your team? There's no point trading out someone with a negative break-even just for someone with a bigger one because you're going to be making, what, 20, 30, 40 grand anyway. So by going to, you know, hammer, whatever you call it, you're only getting an extra 60 grand because you were already getting a 30 anyway. 
uh, is another point to make. So I'm just going for points. That's the only reason. <laughs> By foregoing Hammer this week, I get a guy like Tohu Harris who I can bank on 70 points back to back and I might not make as much money, but I can always guarantee myself that I'm going to get an extra sort of 30, 40 points theoretically. Yeah. Doesn't always work that way, but likely. <laughs> Rarely does anything work the way that it should in Supercoach. But the last probably key talking point for your strategy on, on how you handle the break-evens, I think yeah, Billy's kind of alluded to it already. I'm seeing some teams go to extremes with their three trades. And I, I and like I do think that you should be making three trades this week. This is a week to make your three trades for sure. Uh, and I do that five times over. Always make your three trades this week because there's always going to be too many changes happening at price change week where you have to just utilise three trades. So don't be scared to do it. Boost away. But I've seen two extremes, Billy, of what we've been talking about. And to me, look, I'm, all, I'm always a little bit of a grey man. I think it needs to be in the middle. I don't think you can have black or white. And you've got these guys that are extreme on points. You know, all they're purchasing is points. And it's all about points this week. Uh, and that's where you see, you know, guns like Cleary going out and, and all these different things happening to just focus on points this week only. To me, that's a little bit too short-sighted. And I think those teams can struggle down the track when I've seen some of them. They're going to struggle because you're not going to get uh, as many uh, options that are no-brainer going to make money as what you do right now throughout the season. It's not going to be as easy for you to do that. And you need to make money early. So they're one extreme. The other extreme, Billy, is when it comes to all about making money. You know, they forget about the game being that you need to actually score points. And when you have a look at their 17, it's like, well, that's a pretty poor 17. And the three tradings that you're doing this week are all guys just with the biggest negative break-evens. Now, that that sort of team is going to make a lot of money, Billy, but they're going to have some terrible scores the next couple of weeks. So the money almost becomes insignificant because you're going to be playing too much catch-up. So certainly, if you're either of these teams, I think you've got to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, and depending, it's going to depend on your team build, but certainly like a lot of the time when I'm doing it, I'm normally targeting a guy that, you know, hopefully, you know, has a, a low break even or someone that I might not be able to get down the track. Um, Karaz is a pretty good example as well. Uh, and, you know, point scorer. And then the other couple of guys, you know, I normally target just to be pure cows that I'm not going to play. That's normally a pretty good mix to me, uh, but obviously depends on team build. I just think that you've got to be really careful not to be extreme one way or the other on just going for points or just going for money. Yeah, exactly. But just remember, it's, it's a leader's game too. Um, it's going to be harder and harder to catch up further down the track you go because teams are going to be getting more and more set each each week. So scoring sort of a, 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 a thousand this week might, might get you an extra sort of 50, 50 to 100 points on, on, on a leader's scoring 1,300 instead of seven, eight weeks might not get you any, any room at all. Yeah, just try and catch up as much as possible in the next couple of weeks, but at the same time, don't, don't sacrifice the money makers. It's a fine balance, but make sure you're clawing those points. Yeah, let's go straight into the market watch and start dissect some of these break-evens in a bit more detail and, and some of the individuals. The Hammer is a number one trading player. 11.4% of coaches are bringing him in at the moment. Um, that's going to bring him close to 50% ownership as it is. I completely get it. He is minus 60 break-even, Billy, 330,000. We've just spoken about him in quite a bit of detail already in some of our examples. But the thing that I like about the Hammer is he's he's upped his work rate the first couple of um, the first couple of rounds, and that's always going to be the problem with him, right? 
Sorry, mate, I'm having trouble getting him up. One sec. So in the first two rounds, everyone will talk about the fact that he scored three tries and, you know, that's his 76 and 79 points. So I certainly see some naysayers saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, the minus 60 break-even is not as good because, you know, he's going to not keep scoring tries like that. The thing that I really like about the Hammer and why I prioritised him really high as my trade-ins is because he's playing Newcastle this week and Newcastle are a good matchup anyway, but they're actually an even better matchup because they have several players out. They're really struggling. So he's odds-on favourite to score a try this week. But even if you take out his tries, his base the last two games has averaged 35 in raw base. That is exceptionally better than what it has been before. You know, he's having between 15 and 20 runs a game. Uh, His base attack isn't even pumping up that much yet. It's only 10. So he's got a 45 base base attack. That is exceptionally good. Like he is going to give you mid 40s if he has a non-clutch attack game. And that wasn't the hammer of old, right? You get the seven or eight point game or whatever. But at fullback and at the Dolphins, we're already seeing he's got a different game. Uh, but Newcastle this week. Then he's got the Broncos, which the Broncos are playing pretty well but for a large portion of the um, Supercoach years. Recently, they've given up a lot of points to fullbacks. And then he plays the Dragons, who definitely can give up a lot of points to the Hammer. So I like his next three weeks draw with a minus 60 break even and the fact that he's shown that he's not going to throw out a seven anymore. That's why I really find him really appealing and I think that he deserves to be number one. But it sounds like I probably rated him a little bit higher than what you are. Yeah, maybe I'm just on my high horse. I'm just frustrated at the fact that, not that he's scoring tries, that, that's not what I'm I'm annoyed about because pullback score tries, the thing I'm, I'm annoyed about is the fact that he's gone from doing no work to all of a sudden got a 45 base. Like, where, where the hell did that come from? The blokes all, all of a sudden got to work, I think. You can't pick that in the off-season. That's where I got the shit's about. No, nah, you That's can't. That's what I think about the shit's about. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes guys get better, obviously, when they're younger. So you always have to allow for that. And he's in you know, a new system and everything under Bennett. And he's only 22 years old. So That wasn't even comparing his wing, uh, his games at, um, on, on, on the wing to fullback. Those were his stats at fullback when he played fullback last year. Nothing. It was, it was rubbish. So, I don't know, Wayne's obviously put a rocket up anymore. He's gone and I watched some videos on Teddy and seeing what you actually have to do in that position. And well done to him. He's doing really well. Well, mate, you're filthy, but I actually had him in my team the whole preseason and ended up taking him out right at the death. So, I'm doubly filthy because I, I defended the hammer in the preseason and said, you know, he's... Really? Yeah, I, look, I thought that he I thought that he had this... I, I thought that he was going to be sort of a 55 to 60 um, range and... He's obviously doing a bit better than that. He can throw out 50s from now on for the next few weeks and he's going to make a ton of money. So minus 60, and it's probably important for super coaches who are new to the game, who are maybe playing in their first year or even second year, you don't see the minus 60 plus break-evens very often. Like the Hopgood break-even of minus 139 is almost unheard of, right? Like I I don't think I can remember seeing a minus 139 break-even. Yeah, no, it's insane. Um, although it was pretty obvious in the preseason that he had a high work rate, but it's just next level. He's basically punching out Corey Parker scores in base minus the goal kicking in no tries. It's just ridiculous. So we're not going to talk about Hopgood again because he's just amazing. He's the eighth most traded in, but that's only because seventy percent already own him. So if you don't own him, get him in. But Wade Egan's number two behind the hammer, and a little bit more controversial. I don't quite feel the same about Wade Egan. Um, and look. 
it's it's going to sound like that I'm I'm double talking here because Wade Egan, very much like the Hammer, has has gotten a heap of clutch attack in the first couple of games. Yep. My problem with that is that the Hammer lives off clutch attack. You know, Wade Egan <laughs> does not. So that's a that's that's the first thing. Um, so Wade Egan scored 99 and 88 points the first two weeks. That includes two tries, three line breaks, a line break assist, and a try assist. If you look at his uh, base, it's 46, which for, you know, an 80-minute hooker isn't great, but he has played only 66 and 59 minutes. But that's actually a concern for me. He's played 63 minutes across the first two weeks. That's not great for someone that you're investing 500K in. And this is the final two points for me to nail in his coffin. I will look at someone like the Hammer and go, you know what, he's a centre wing, and I've got a million of those to fill up spots. It's fine to put the Hammer in. Wade Egan's a hooker. You've only got two spots there. So it really takes up a, a, a spot that you're probably going to end up starting him in for a lot of coaches. And on top of that, he's 500 grand. You know, Billy said when we were talking about strategy, there's a big difference between a guy with a minus 60 break even who's a center wing and a guy with a minus 60 break even who's a, a hooker who costs you 200 grand more. You know, 500 grand versus 330 grand, that's a big kicker for me. Like you have to actually take out good players to bring in someone like Wade Egan because half a million dollars is quite a bit of spend. For somebody like the Hammer, 330000 that's a really easy spend to make. So to me, I, I I sound like that I'm really against Wade Egan as a buy. I'm not, um, but I would prioritise number four on the list, Billy. So, you know, number four traded in is Reed Marnie. He's 70K more, but I'm much more comfortable that Reed Marnie can continue on with it than what Wade Egan can. So at least I can sort of run with him. Yeah, they, he looks really good at the moment. He, he, he actually even looks better when the, um, than a couple of years ago when he sort of had that, the um, their first seven, eight games for the Eels when he was just on fire. Um, that was that was when he had 50 tackles a game. He was just having at least a try or a lot or a line break and, and a try assist every single game. Having a forward back that size just really helps make um, his mobility, his running game too. So, um, yeah, he's another one that's proven me wrong. I'm not going to get him in, but wouldn't say wouldn't say he's a, um, a bad choice by any by, by any means, but I would 100% have him over, over, over Egan, that's for sure. And if you want to validate that statement, just ask yourself, will I buy Harry Grant for 60 minutes? The answer is no, and Harry's a lot better player, so why would you buy him? Yeah, and Marnie's got the 80 minutes, and he's also got a better base at the moment. He's got a base in the 50s, um, and that's probably just from the minutes. You know, that's fine. But, you know, the PPM on Wade Egan at the moment is 1.5. That's insane. It's inflated by a lot of clutch attack stats. Yeah. Um, he's draw as well. So in the next month of football, Wade Egan only plays in New Zealand once, and this week he's going to play in Townsville versus Cowboys, which is a notoriously hard trip from New Zealand. Bulldogs at home the next week. That's a good one. But he's got the Sharks away and Newcastle away. They're pretty tough trips, even though Newcastle is a uh, an easier team for them to play at the moment. And then they hit the Cowboys, the Storm, the Roosters, and the Panthers. <laughs> like, it is just, it is an absolute mongrel of a draw for the Warriors. So people bring up the fact that they don't have a buy Billy until round 12, and that's why Egan is a better buy this week than what Marnie is. I would argue that you don't want to play... Egan for the majority of these games anyway, uh, whereas Reed Marnie, I'd, I'd comfortably play in all of them. So I've definitely got Marnie um, above Egan. The the break-evens are very different. So obviously when you're having a look at it, the break-even for Egan is much better. So he looks like he's going to make a lot more money at minus 44. But 
you know, you've got to look at the playability as well if you've got that spot like Hooker. And to me, you know, I'd rather Marnie for the reasons I said. So do you do you like Egan at all as a buy? Like he's obviously very popular this week. No, I don't like him at all. Um, I could honestly I read in Matt Harley that when someone was uh talking to me about it, trading today, they, they said they were bringing in Egan. I'm like, why would you bring in Egan? Like he doesn't really look that great on the left hand side. I thought they were referring to Butcher. That's how much how high he was on my radar. <laughs> that's how high he was on my radar. I'm like, what Egan, what? No, no. Look, the, the only value that he kind of has is the fact that he's playing a lot more difficult teams. They're going to have a lot more tackles. So you're going to have a, a, a theoretically a higher work rate in the middle. So more 45, 50 tackles in the middle maybe. But you take that bringing back to reality in the 64 minutes, all of a sudden that goes back to 40. So no, I just wouldn't go there at all. And this is also where it comes down to making sure that you're balancing your three trades, right? Because... If you're a team that, say, doesn't have the Hammer and doesn't have Preston, then there's no reason to bring in Egan. You're going to make money out of the Hammer and Preston with much bigger break-evens and much more money to make. So that third trade, you can well afford to go to a Reed Marnie or someone that's got better um, probably long-term potential to keep scoring well or, or even somebody that's now now gun. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty down on Egan. But Karaz, I think, is going to be one of your boys that you're going to want to talk up a lot. So we'll get yeah, to we'll him. Say- I've got one more point really quickly, just on the Egan thing. If you get if you get him in, right? So he's got break even minus minus forty four. You get him in this week. Let's say he goes ballistic and scores what 50, 60, All right, makes whatever whatever coin. His break even is, isn't going to be minus that big anymore. So what do you do? Like you, how, you're going to have to hold him for for one more week and then sell him to get the to get the cash. He's in a position where there aren't many options. Who are you going to sell him to? You might get stuck with him. All of a sudden, he, he, he goes down the value again. Like, because you're going to be waiting until what the cheese is healthy. What if what if he punches out another 30 minutes this weekend? His rib, his rib cage is busted. Who do you go to then? You've basically missed the boat of money. So your options are limited too. So as easy as it is to get on someone, you need to have a strategy to get off them because otherwise you're stuck with him and you lose that cash. Yeah, and a good point to make with someone like Egan too is that he's – He's around one scores 99, and, and after this week, that's irrelevant. It drops out. Uh, so the, like we said last week, the round one scores are the most irrelevant out of any when you're talking about price rises because it's going to drop out straight away after one rise. He still scored 88 in that second week, so that's a good thing for him. He's boosted by that second week. But if we go a 45 this week, then all of a sudden he's a 45 and an 88. That's going to plateau out pretty quickly unless he scores another big one in that third game. And that may very well not happen, especially with that draw that we just spoke about. So going down the list, Jacob Carraz was the next one. 7.8% of coaches are trading him in. He had a phenomenal week last week, and really he's had a phenomenal start to the season. It's pretty amazing, Billy, that the Bulldogs look so bad against Manly, and he still scored 51 points. And it was 51 points in round one in pure base-base attack. He had five offloads last week, a million tackle breaks, and scored 148 points, and that included a double. Um, but when you're looking at a winger and you say, you know, they scored a double with two line breaks, you'd say, oh, yeah, you know, that's you know, he probably got a ton. 148 because his base and base attack has been off the roof. It's only a two-game sample size, which is important to note. But at the moment, he's on an average of 80 points a game across those two games just in base-base attack. 39 raw base and 41 in his base attack being his tackle breaks and his offloads. 
that's insane for a winger. Uh, you know that he can't keep that up. But at the same time, Mossy might not average 100 points a game like he is right now. He's still got the Tigers this week and the Warriors the week after in two really good matchups for him. The Dogs looked really good on the weekend. He is one of those guys that you can get in to make money, but also potentially keeping your team as well. Yeah, the only thing I am going to disagree with somewhat there on is the two game the two game sample size. It's not really like he did this all last year as well. The two game sample size is probably more the fact that the dogs are playing a lot better. They've got a, a lot more more momentum. So the two game sample size is more in, more in uh, relation to are they going to continue having momentum and make and 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 go forward and making room for him to have a platform to kick off from from where he ended last year with you know a base of you know, forty to sixty in, in base and base attack. So will it continue? Hundred percent, he'll continue the base and base attack. But how much how much more attack will he get? I think that's that's the two game sample that you're referring to. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the numbers aren't going to stay where he's averaging hundred points a game, but. You're hoping that he's going to be in that 65 to 70 range. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Brian Tuo, mate. Yeah, that's right. And we, and with Toto, you know, he had this breakout season, a very similar type of game to Carraz's. And what ended up happening with him, which is why it's important to have a good look at Carraz, is that Toto became someone who you had to have in your center wing, but all of a sudden you had to pay 200, 250 grand more than what everybody that jumped on initially had to pay for. And that automatically handicaps your team and how you can build it, but it also handicaps you against your competition because they have an extra 250K on you to spend somewhere else. So, you know, if that happens, you know, and it could, then Karaz is somebody that you're basically getting a keeper in at a bargain price. If it doesn't, um, he's still going to make 100 grand plus pretty easily and pretty quickly. And he's a big player the next two weeks. So I really like him. Um, I just, I had Hammer just above him only because I, I needed to prioritize the money making. But I'm I'm torn on the both of them. I think they're pretty neck and neck. Obviously, Karaz is 250k more expensive, though. That's the problem. Yeah, and that's also the reason I'm going for it. So apart from getting more than likely points early and and the soft draw, it's also for exactly what you just said. Like I'm hoping that he's going to go on a run, continue a run like Brian Tuo did, and go up, you know, 250 grand in value. So. All the money that you make off Hammer, you're going to have to spend on getting Karaz. So it's basically going to offset it. So if you get Karaz right now, as opposed to Hammer, and they both got 200 grand in value, you're also saving a trade because you're not having to hop from one to the other and spending the money that, that you already would uh, have made off getting Karaz first up. So that's another thing to think about. It's no guarantee, but it's also another thing to think about. Yeah, and, and unlike some of these other options, he is going to be a pod still, uh, unless it really ramps up. So at the moment, he's got 7.8% of teams trading him in and he's under 1% ownership. So he's still going to scrape in at being at around that 9% mark in ownership. Even if he gets a bit more groundswell towards kickoff, it's still only going to be 11 12 13%. So much lower own than some of these other guys. Uh, going down the list, we already spoke about Reed Marnie. Jacob Preston, you touched on though. And this is a really interesting one because I, I obviously said that I'm a bit torn on what to do. So I want Billy's advice on this one. I don't have Jacob Preston. I didn't want to start with him because he was a bench edge that might have only got 20 minutes a game. If I knew that he was going to start, of course, I would have had him in my team, um, but I didn't. Oh, everyone would have. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say that, but Hopgood was it in everyone's team. But yeah, everyone should have. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> no. Um, but look, the first the first round, he played 51 minutes and it was only for 25 points. Obviously pretty poor. Fast forward, 
Last minute, he ends up starting. They move Fatala Mariner to 13 and Preston starts on an edge and he plays just about the whole game, scores a try, scores 84 points with a 53 raw base, which is very good for a very young, inexperienced edge back rower to be having that work rate on. He then has the Tigers that he's named to start on an edge for again and going to play 80 minutes. So all of a sudden, um, that break even is massive for him at 200k base price. He looks like a must-have at minus 51. The problem is, Billy, for someone like me, I love him. I want him. My second row is jammed with players that are making money or already a gun. So what do I do? Yeah, you probably have to unfortunately miss him unless you want to take a punt that, you know, um, Larero is the one to go. I don't think he looks as good as, as Preston does. I'd, I'd be making making that trade purely because I think he's more playable, but it's not really going to hurt you that much. Like, you're still going to make a bit of money with Larero, or you could you could at least wait to see. <laughs> you, you saw how devastating um, Katara was last, uh, was last week. Maybe Lorero ends up doing the same on the on, on the other side, but it is unfortunate that he's playing on the side that um, Munster is kind of vacated at the moment. So maybe that's something that, that might benefit you in two or three weeks when Munster's back, sitting off, off his hit. Well, I mean, I've got Katara as well. So I, I think with the I think the other thing is as well if it, you've got somebody who you want to hold on to, but it's got to buy. And this is when, you know, we can talk about some of the semi-guns. So I, I basically have the cheapies of Hopgood or the cheapies to mids of Hopgood, Katoa, Liero and Bryce Cartwright. And then I've got David Fafita and Nat Butcher. Now, Nat Butcher's got to buy next week. But he's also got a pretty low break even of around 20. So I'm going to hedge my bets that I can go Nat Butcher to Preston next week. And the amount that Preston goes up is going to be somewhat handicapped by the fact that Nat Butcher should go up a little bit as well. So I might pay an extra premium for Preston, but I'm still going to free up cash and still get him for plenty of rises. So that's kind of my plan B if I don't go a Liero to him. I kind of agree with what you said, though, Billy. I don't think it's worth going Liero to him. Liero still averaged 47 points a game in his first two. He's playing the Gold Coast Titans and the Tigers. The next two, Melbourne are starting to look like they're getting some troops back this week. So, you know, yeah. it's... They certainly did look look like a different team the second half of that match. The, the first, it was horrible, but the second, just like they just clicked into Melbourne gear and they were just unstoppable. Yeah, notice I said I didn't say I didn't say they started to look better. I said they're starting to get troops back because <laughs> they looked horrid that first <laughs> half last week. Oh, mate, it was, I remember. <laughs> you, know, you know when you get that feeling when you want to throw something at the TV, you know, when an ad comes on <laughs> or the uh, or hammer goes in the store and you don't have him? Yeah, it was that kind of feeling the first half. But, yeah, they, they just seemed to click and have more um, momentum second half. They were just moving and moving and moving, and you could tell the points are coming. It was brilliant when sort of Qatar was going going batshit on the right hand side. I was devastated when they disallowed that try, though. I thought I was going to offset the career somewhat. Oh, yeah, it was huge for Qatar. Um, but, look, uh, Preston, to finish up on him, it, it's a really good example, too, of uh, not having to get everybody straight away. You can get some of these guys later. So just have a bit of a plan on it. So my plan is that I'll probably go Nat Butcher to him, to Preston next week. And look, Preston will still have a low break even. It's it's one of these uh, real 
newbie things where you first start playing super coach and look I, I do it to myself even now where you sort of get in this mindset where you've got to buy these guys straight away for, for their price rise you can't let them go one price rise and buy them because you feel like you're getting ripped off Billy you feel like no I can't pay more money than everybody else did yeah. but you can can't you? you can you can pay an extra 40k for Preston next week at 240k and still make a lot of money and still have it be a really good buy uh, so look at guys that you can do that with because Preston's probably one of them uh, where that can work itself out for next week. Yeah, it's it's never going to be buy right at the at the bottom and sell right at the top. It doesn't doesn't work that way. I mean, there's going to be week, weeks where it's the complete opposite where you know, so Teddy has you know, a break even of 160, and you're like, oh, I'll just wait more week. I'll wait, just wait one more week, and all of a sudden he scores 190, and you're like, God damn it! Why don't I just do it? He was playing the Dragons. So similarly, on, on, on the bottom side of it, you're going to have players with you know, minus 60 break-even. Then you're going to go, oh, I'm going to have to go on. But they might only score to the 30 or 40 points. You're only missing out on you know, 30, 30, 40 grand because your other player is still going to increase 30 or 40 grand. So you just hedge your bets. And like you said, and say, look, I actually would just want to play Butcher this week and get someone else instead. So sacrificing 30 or 40 grand, it's not like you're sacking you're sacrificing your entire salary cap. It's just a portion of it, and it's a long game. Yeah, and it's not saying that Preston isn't one of the best buys this week. Like, if you've got a dud in the second row, Preston should be one of the best buys of the week for sure. You know, you should be getting him in, possibly the best buy for that type of team. Uh, but you've got to weigh it up, right? And the thing is, ask yourself this. If Preston is 240000 he's still going to want to buy him in a week. Yes, you will want to buy him. But if someone like the Hammer is 400000 plus, do you really want to spend 400000 plus on the hammer after he's just gone up 70K? My answer would be no. Like, I'm I'm hot as for the hammer this week. In another week, he's just he's going to be too much money. So that's another way that you need to look at it and sort of plan it out too. Who can you actually get in next week and still get pretty maximum value out of them as a trade? Moving along the list, we've already t- talked about Marnie, obviously. Uh, Reese Walsh is number six. So, And I tell you what, uh, this is... Super interesting because this is probably the most polarizing one out of all of them, I reckon. The praise for Reese Walsh. He looked absolutely phenomenal. I am somebody who thought that he was going to be a decent buy uh, for the Broncos and an okay look as a pod in Supercoach, but without goal kicking, I just didn't think he was going to be able to mix it with the big boys in Supercoach at fullback. 105 points, Billy. Had 72 points in clutch attack between his... Line breaks, tries, try assists, and line break assists. That is just insane. He absolutely carved up the Cowboys in what is notoriously normally a pretty tough game. Uh, and he just he looked the goods, didn't he? He looked like a superstar. But the downside is that even though he's playing the Dragons this week, which is great, he's also not going to change in money. Uh, and if you look at what his floor is without that goal kicking, he actually had a 23 raw base, which is pretty bad, and a 35 base base attack. So to me, I don't want to discount how good he was because he was absolutely electric and it was a phenomenal super coach game. But it is only one game. He isn't going to have a price rise and a lot of people are trading Teddy to him. And I just can't get around that. Yeah, I don't get it at all. I kind of liken it to, to you know, the Garth God. Like he's, he has a, not a low base, but doesn't really have any sort of work rate. And I remember watching the game thinking, not not even thinking. Um, oh, there's Walsh again. There's Walsh again. There's Walsh again. Like you, you just don't hear his name. You don't see him do anything. All of a sudden, you know, second half, there, there's Walsh for the the the, the assist and a line break, then a line break and the try. And like, where the fuck did that come from? Like he just falls over the line at the last minute. 
so, so, that's not to detract from anyone that, that bought him, but you know, same thing with Gutho. Gutho will have games where he just does nothing and all of a sudden, you know, the last five, six minutes of the game, there's a try assist, try assist, try assist. So you've got to put it in perspective. Uh, there are some players that go sort of 20 to 40 to 50 to 60 to 120. Not this bloke. He just goes from, from zero to 50 and 50 to 100 in the space of a second. And that's not the type of bloke that you want your team, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a watch. I wouldn't be getting him in this week. And it's too important to look at other other ones this week. Like, don't you agree that you should be focusing on the guys that are going to actually change price? Uh, and, I mean, people will argue that, well, whilst Walsh isn't going to change price, I'm trading Teddy to him and Teddy's going to ch- change price. You know, it's we're going to get to Teddy in a minute, but I just think that it's too early to be going for a Reese Walsh at the moment. I think that you can wait a week and yeah. look, he's not going to change price. If you're, if you're a Teddy non-believer now and you're worried about him, if he loses 30, 40 K, then eat the 30, 40 K as a fine that you're willing to pay to be able to see whether Reese Walsh can back it up a second week and just see what he looks like because that base is still scary. He's still not goal kicking. He looked electric. Maybe this will be his year, but I'm not prepared to do that after one game and also, you know, when we've already got all these other guys that are about to change price and that first price rise round, I think there's other priorities. Yeah, but the toughest thing this year is that, like, yes, it's okay to sell to sell Teddy, but you go back four or five, four or five years, at this point in the season, there's probably, what, at least seven or eight blokes that you want to target, like you want to target, you know, sort of, um, trying to get Gal, trying to get CP, trying to upgrade to Cam Smith, trying to get, you know, Jake, JT trying to trying to figure out how you're going to get that 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 second fullback trying to figure out how you're going to get that the goal kicking center three quarter that's going ballistic you know trying to figure out how you're going to get that second row that is all of a sudden playing uh, that center three quarter this year right now with all the injuries preseason to um, premium blokes like you know sort of Hines and the fact that we don't have any um, second row forwards sort of guaranteeing you know 100 points there's no there's no real sort of high price or premium bloke that people uh, are striving to get. So it's it's just a matter of just looking for the minis right now. So keeping someone like Teddy isn't really a concern. Yeah, we're going to unpack the Teddy sellers a bit more in a minute. But um, Reese Walsh is 5'8 at the Brisbane Broncos. Ezra Mam getting traded in by almost 5% of coaches as well. He is going to go up in money. He's got a 25 break even. And obviously we have some space in the halves at the moment. People are selling Nathan Cleary and using jewels. We're going to talk about the Nathan Cleary and Teddy selling in a minute, but just Mam as a buy. You know, there is people that are selling other players like Kalen Ponga, uh, who has to be sold, I think. But, you know, Mam as a pot option, I actually don't hate it. Uh, he is averaging 72 points a game. He's gone 61 and 82 points against Penrith and the Cowboys the last two weeks. And I think, one of the great things I like about that, Billy, is that he's had 33 raw base and he's had almost 50 base-base attack. So he's had a really good floor. He did score a double last week for an 82, but I just feel like that he's he's doing a bit of everything uh, and he does have the, the draw that everyone's jumping on Walsh for, right? He's got the Dragons, the Dolphins, the Tigers, the Raiders, and then the Titans for a, a pretty good run up until round seven now. So certainly I think, you know, I've even looked at the Brisbane Broncos and said, I want a piece of that. Um, and I've already said that I want to see more Reese Walsh and he's not going to change price, so I'm willing to wait on that. But for Mem, you know, there's going to be a lot more people that probably have Ponga at 5'8", that need to look at this, or even some other players in their halves that they need to get rid of. You know, Mem, I actually quite like as a pod. 
And at the moment, he's definitely going to stay under 10% even after the buying this week. So uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, Billy. You'll probably disagree with me, but I don't mind that as a, as a pod shot. No, I don't like him. <laughs> he, I had him, I had him uh, last year when he was a lot too, but um, he's a little pocket rocker, mate. He certainly knows how to pop up, how, how, how to get a clutch attack score. But last year, watching him was extremely frustrating. He'd be on nothing, and then all of a sudden, um, he'd go over for that line break try just at a death, and you'd get that sort of 50 55 score. And you think, you know, if only he could get one early, then he'd get one early, then wouldn't do anything for the rest of the game. And he, he was just that. Um, prolific teaser, just you just never seem to get a big one out of him. So, so for me, um, absolute no go. Uh, yes, he's playing really well at the moment, but like you said before, mate, he scored two tries to get an eighty. No thanks, buddy. Yeah, I still consistent base in the thirties across the first two games as raw base. So I, I think that he's improved his work rate a little bit and what he's doing. So I'm a little bit more sold than Billy, but a guy that I'm not sold on is Braden Trindle. He's coming in number nine most traded in. 234,800, I understand he's goal-kicking for a shark side and he has a great break-even, the third best break-even out of anyone at minus 54. So he's going to make a heap of cash this week playing Canberra. The problem with Trindle is that there has been an article in the Daily Telegraph where Hines was quoted as saying he was close to playing last week. He's running at the moment. He just needs clearance from the medical staff, basically. He reckons he's ready to play. He's obviously not going to play this week. He said he's certain he's going to play round four, though, against the Dragons. So that means that you're going to have Raiden Trindle coming into a really important spot in your side at halfback where you've only got two slots and it's got some of the best players in the game to put in there. He's going to take up that spot and he might make 70 grand or 60 grand or something this week. And then he's going to sit there as an MPR because he's not going to get picked in the 17. That's probably likely. Maybe you'll get lucky and he gets picked on the bench and he can give you an extra 20 or 30K and you might scrape over 100K mark. But likely is he's not going to get picked in the 17 because he wasn't before. And then all of a sudden you've got a guy that's made 60 or 70K, has a low break even, but isn't playing. And he's in a halfback spot and you kneecapped because you've basically got one halfback that you can play because you're holding on to Brayden Trindle waiting for his money to come in. Or you burn a second trade within a fortnight and have to get rid of him and punt him. You know, it's it's just not looking good. He needed an extra two weeks or something to be able to be a quick money grab. And he's just not going to get that, which is unfortunate because he's played really well. That's why I really, really don't like getting Braden Trindle in at the moment. Yeah, and there are plenty of trades. So, I mean, <laughs> the mere fact that you've got Schuster's name this week and pretty much every man his dog has Katara in the halves. There's manoeuvrability there. So I I wouldn't be going any, any, anywhere near him. I'd be going with Schuster out in, instead. Um, Lots of people probably own Schuster already, though. He might be available in the second row, but still there's maneuverability too. Like you just pull out whoever you want at sort of seven, move the Qatar in, bring, bring Schuster down, and you can bring in a, a, sec, a, a second row at base price. It brings Preston to the equation. So there's plenty of ways just to skin a cat, but I'd be taking out those other options over him. Just wouldn't be going there at all, not even for the one game grab, mate. Randy at the top 10, Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, I actually quite like him as a pot at the moment because there is obviously teams like we said who yeah. are needing a are needing a half. Uh, 119 points round one. That's all we've seen of him. He's obviously not going to change in price though. So another one that you could afford to wait, you know, watch him against Parramatta before he's going to change price. But I guess some of these teams believe to be fair about waiting with these guys that have only played one game. They need an option uh, to obviously trade out a Kalen Ponga or somebody that they need to trade out. And, and that's you know, fine. 
Yeah, I, I think DCE like looks like a good option. His draw is not great, but he's obviously got a lot of those at Brookvale, which we covered in the preseason. And 119 points round one, he's obviously coming in in a bit of form. So well, I think that he's a bit of a pod half if you're looking for one of those to replace somebody that you've got to get out. Yeah, well, his, his numbers indicate he's more of a home uh, home at home flat track bully. So he's got a few more... He's got a difficult run at home. <laughs> so... I wouldn't put those two together and think that he's going to score you know, 100 each week easily, it's particularly the fact that, that he scored, what, how many tries last week? Was it two or three? Three he's got a hat-trick so? for his 120. Yeah. See, I, th- I think that that, that, that that speaks volumes there. So go back and have a look at your scores over the last two, two to three years. Um, I don't think you're going to find too many massive scores. And if you do find any ton, any tons or anything anywhere near it, have a look at the opposition, have a look at where they're playing. I'm pretty sure you'll find the bottom of four, bottom six ranked teams all at home, everything away versus the top. It's nowhere near as good. So I wouldn't be banking on those tries or anything uh, significant. I'd be playing at the tower this week and keeping Cleary. I'd, I'd, I'd take a hit there. Yeah, it's, uh, I could I could support going either way on it. Look, six out of his nine next games are going to be played at Brookvale. So... They're going to be a lot of home games in there for him. So, you know, he's got a chance to go on a bit of a run. He's a hard run, though, like Billy said. He does have Newcastle in round five, which is a one-a-year mark, and round eight and nine, he's got the Tigers and the Gold Coast Titans. So, yeah, it's it's certainly a pod move. Uh, we need to talk about the guys getting traded out. And the guys getting traded out, there is some big names on here. So, Brandon Smith's number one. I, we're not going to talk about that because it's totally fine. Kalen Pong is number three. We're not going to talk about that either because I think you have to get rid of him. He wasn't named this week. We don't know when he'll be back. He needs to go. Nathan Cleary and James Tedesco are second and fourth most traded out players at the moment, though. So we need to talk about this. Nathan Cleary is on a buy this week. He is someone who has one of the bigger break-evens in the competition at the moment in the game. So that's why everyone is getting a bit scared because he's obviously not going to play this week. And aside from Scott Drinkwater's 155, Nathan Cleary's 149-point break-even is the second biggest one. So I get it in that people are looking at it worried. Uh, Billy, I'm going to hold him. I'm not going to trade him out. Uh, I think that maybe some coaches are looking at it going, look, He's only scored 40 and 47 points his first two weeks. He might be a bit slow out of the blocks. I might be able to save 200 grand and trade him back in later. That strategy can work occasionally. Um, You don't want to employ it too often, but sometimes it can work and you can buy back that gun. I guess the counter argument is with someone like Nathan Cleary, we saw this situation last year with him and he ended up busting out 140 odd points. It was like 10 points below his massive break even or something like that. And then he started making money again and he was very hard to be able to get in your team. Yeah, that could easily happen. Obviously, the Panthers haven't looked that good, though. Are you selling Nathan Cleary yourself? Nah, I'm taking the punt on um, just playing someone else for a week. Yeah, I know they don't look as anywhere near as good as, as last year. They've obviously lost lost the left edge. They've lost the hooker. We've already talked about that. Everyone knows that. But you still look at the quality of all the halves out there and the fact that Hines is still uh, under an injury cloud and still has to come back and it's, and it's still almost a million bucks. I'm more than happy to take sort of 200 grand, hand, grand hit on the Cleary, knowing that he is quality. And even if he's having, if he's having the worst run of his career and scoring like what 45 points in a team that's been getting absolutely dominated with zero try assists, zero anything, anyway, is up, mate. I'll, I'll take a 60, 65 average for that, for that price and pray for the upside. No problem at all. 
Yeah, look, you can you can do it occasionally, um, but it's it's a hard one. And as well as that, when I look at Nathan, the most popular Nathan Cleary trade, it's Nathan Cleary to Wade Eakin, and I just wouldn't be doing that at all. And that, that's when it comes into it, doesn't it, Billy? If you're going to do it and you're going to get a cash grab, who are you going to get in and, and who are you going to play? And I just think that there isn't great options at the moment without Hines back next week. And that's something else to consider for those that are selling Nathan Cleary. You know, if you're planning on buying him, buying him back in the next two weeks, then, you know, sure, you might save 100 grand plus. But all of a sudden, Nico Hines is going to play. He's really expensive. He was the best player in Supercoach last year. Are you going to want him in? Because I reckon you've got absolute Buckleys of being able to manoeuvre yourself to be able to get Nathan Cleary back and by Nico Hines in the span of the next month of football. It's going to take you ages. And then all of a sudden, origins looming or other things happen, other priorities, you don't end up with them. Ask yourself that question very carefully, because if you say to yourself you want Nico Hines in the next few weeks, I don't think you should be selling Nathan Cleary then. Yep. That was the other argument for myself. Same, same with Teddy, but between, between those two players and the fact that there's so many mid-rangers going around that are great and so much cash generation that's really good at the moment. It's easy to keep players like that and go, you know what? I'm going to be able to afford Hines in, what, two or three weeks anyway with with, with an injury or one of these middies going down, going cashing out one of these middies and up and cashing out one of these, you know, sort of, you know, Hamiso types, there's there's basically eight, nine hundred grand straight away. I mean, you can't tell me that what in three to four weeks is not going to be another cheapie sort of pop up. But they always come up this early because someone gets injured or someone's on, on the cusp and they just want to give them five or six weeks in the lower grades and well, someone's not performing and that's when they make the switch. So, um, yeah, someone will show up in about three or four weeks and uh, I'd be bank, bank my bottom dollar that that's going to be your out for the for the uh, million dollar cash in the hinds. James Tedesco. Uh, yep, 135 break even. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I and he said, "Oh, Tedesco's got a mammoth break even. I've I've got to sell him." I sort of thought to myself, "135 isn't that mammoth?" Really? Yeah, like half his games last year. <laughs> well, look, I mean, he's playing South this week, right? And yeah, it's it's a tough game. He's he's scored 126 points against South before, you know. It, Obviously, that's his highest against the house. It was a couple of years ago. Maybe he's not going to score it this week, sure. But, like, he can score 100, and then all of a sudden he drops, you know, hardly anything, and he's starting to be the old Teddy. And probably the best point that I can say about the people that are selling Teddy at the moment, yeah, he doesn't play next week, sure. But, look, he's scored 50s in his first two weeks. He scored 51 and 55 points. Tedesco doesn't go very long scoring 50s before he hits a big one. And the problem with selling guys like Tedesco or Cleary when you already own them is after you sell them when you've only gotten bad scores out of them, in in all likelihood, you are going to lose a good score out of them. And it's just a matter of whether you're going to lose a good score, like a 75 or 80, or you're going to lose 145 dropped on your head. And if you lose 145 dropped on your head, it is a massive kneecap. And Teddy... Cleary, these guys don't score 40s and 50s for very long. So at the moment, mathematically, each week, we're getting closer to them having a big game. And unless you think that they're not going to be good anymore and they're not going to be guns and they're having a massive downward season, it's going to happen. Maybe I hope people sell them. The more people sell Teddy and Cleary, the easier it is to climb the ladder because if you own both of them, you're not going to fall behind. The worst, absolute worst case scenario and they score shit, you're going to be scoring exactly the same as what other people are scoring anyway. 
you're just going to have more money invested invested in them. But there's so many mid-ranges and cheapies around at the moment, you can easily offset that with blokes like Henry Selwyn Preston. So I wouldn't worry at all. Yeah, and the, and the time to get clever with this sort of stuff to make some money and do some short-term trade-outs and trade-ins with these guns, it's it's not now. It's Do that in the middle of the year. Like Do that during the origin runs. Uh, do that during times when there isn't that many options available to make money elsewhere. You know, those are the times to do it, Billy. Do it mid-season yeah. if you want to do this. If Teddy's got 150 break-even coming up to Origin 1, that's when you're going to trade him out, right? Yeah, right now, this is the t- this is the time of the season where you want as many people in po- as possible in your team to have the, the capability of going 150-plus. Uh, the amount of times I've, I've, I've lost... You know, uh, I've been out of the contention for overall. It's generally around sort of week three, week four, week five, week six, when I've just haven't haven't had the Teddy or haven't had the Papenhuizen or haven't haven't put the captain on, on on the right bloke. And someone like you know, Pappy comes back from an injury, and in, in, instead of just hit, hitting the ground softly, goes one eighty, and everyone's got the ceiling straight away. It destroys the season. If you don't have Cleary or, or Teddy in the next couple of weeks, and they go one fifty, one sixty, one seventy. You can go, okay, I've made a mistake, but how do you recover from it? Yeah, it makes it very difficult. Uh, A lot of the other guys make sense. Tanner Boyd, Talau, Drinkwater, Cobo, these guys are out already or they're not looking too good and they're going to drop some cash. Matt Burton is an interesting one because he is someone who I thought when the dogs would play that well last week would be a part of a lot of the points, and he wasn't. So I'm going to say that I understand people selling him because he scored 18 and 30 points in the first two weeks. He is going to come good um, with a break even in the 120s. I get selling him. Um, I'm going to hold him. And my reasoning is because he's got the Warriors and the Tigers the next two weeks. And I'm going to say that maybe they're, they're games that he comes good. But I just sort of think there's so many other priorities, Billy. Trading out Matt Burton is a bit of a luxury trade, trading out guns like that or, you know, semi-guns, I don't really see the need to, especially if you've got a team like mine. That, you know, I've got Caitlin Ponga. Caitlin Ponga I've got to trade out. I've got Santa Wings I need to trade out. Why would I trade out a Matt Burton? So I think that some teams, you know, don't believe in Burton and that's fine. But other teams are probably jumping the gun a bit because they're, they're trying to find ways to trade out Burton because they think they have to. I definitely don't think you have to. With the Tigers and the Warriors the next two weeks, don't miss out on the other trades just to get Burton out of your team. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, he, the whole reason people have him in their team is because he went on that run towards the end of last, the end of last year and brought his average up. Um, I remember, or was it was the middle third? I can't remember. But I remember talking to you in the, in the preseason. I think he, I'm pretty sure he was the first pod that we did together, and it was basically talking about the, the dogs and the eels. And you, you talked, you talked me some really good points into having him. And I think the only reason I got rid of him preseason is because it just didn't didn't work and I didn't want to rely on that sort of end of season stats um, lucky for, for me it's worked out because the dogs are absolutely brilliant at the moment and he just <laughs> hasn't been part of it but what was to say that all of a sudden he doesn't click, ne- click next week and start scoring the same as Perez, I mean who knows so I wouldn't be getting rid of him, rid of him just uh, this, this week but you'd, you'd certainly have him on the short list for calling him the next two or three if he doesn't uh, pull his figure up. Yeah that's for sure well, let's move along to uh the actual games this weekend. So the first game of the round is the Manly Seagulls versus your Parramatta Eels. Uh, quick fire team list here. We're just going through to look at the pod, the VC and C options 
of each side and any notable changes to look out for. So for the Seagulls, um, Schuster is back. You can wait and see what happens with him, though. He's certainly not someone that you've got to buy straight away. The, other than that, it's it's pretty similar. I will say, though, as someone who doesn't own Tommy Turbo, and I'm probably going to get him in this week, it was a worry that weeks went on for him. Certainly against your Eels, though, I'm expecting it to be a little bit tighter, so probably that doesn't happen. But you're a big Turbo fan and you've owned him the whole preseason. Does it concern you that he might go off in 60-something minutes if um, if Weeks is on the bench there and they're up by a bit? My biggest, my biggest concern is <laughs> I want to be him, but I don't want to miss out on, on the Hopgood safety. And even if he does go ballistic, I'm uh, not having Cleary. I'm going to have to put, I'm, I'm making uh, a clear a clear choice to play Katoa this week versus a lower ranked team. So I'm going to do one or two things. I'm going to straight out and see um, Turbo or Hopgood, but I can't figure out which choice to make at the moment. <laughs> I'm leaning Hopgood. Well, Arthur's named the, st- the same starting 17, so it's pretty boring there, but it does mean that guys like uh, Bryce Cartwright uh, are still secure for their 80-minute roles. Uh, I'm actually considering starting Bryce Cartwright this week. He scored 58, 59 points the last two weeks. Uh, so he's someone who's a bit of a pod starter. Um, Mike Acevo was the, the big pod last week, scoring 87 and, and getting two tries in there. I actually think this game is going to be pretty good for points, Billy, which is why I'm big on the, the Turbo VC. Um, I'm quite surprised that you're going for the Hopgood safety because, you know, we all know that Turbo, he's had a week off now. He could carve up your eels at Brookvale Oval. Mate, we're coming off two losses. We cannot afford to have another one. That doesn't mean that we're going to put in any, any more effort <laughs> or, 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 or win, win the game. But I just don't think Turbo is going to go 150 in this one. And, and even if even if he does, I don't want to have to sacrifice potential differential in points between what Katawa can possibly score at 5-8 versus getting an AE. So if I take 20 points off the AE and Turbo scores 150, Basically, I just need 130 from Hopgood to sort of uh, be on the plateau. And he's basically scoring, what, 100 with ease. So I think I'll just take that as a, as, as a gimme and just hope that so that I can get, you know, Katawa to get one try assist and get me to a 50, which kind of negates to that. That's a fair enough call. Well, I will throw out a stat for you that you're not going to like. The fifth best score that, uh, that Turbo's had is 179 points against the Eels. So... He's done that before against your boys, but I take what you're saying, though. Uh, it may not be a big one for him. I'm going to VC Turbo, though, for, just for the upside, just in case, um, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm tipping the the Eels to cop a loss in this one, mate, and start the season 0-3. and three. Are, you, are you confident your boys are going to stand up? I think we'll stand up whether we win. I don't know that Turbo factory can just crucify any team. And you've obviously got Cherry Evans at, at, at home, who um, obviously plays well at home. You put both of them together, mate. And Garrick's just been insane too. Like, <laughs> wasn't wasn't expecting him to come out and score what he did first round. But mate, I really don't know what to do. The, the whole turbo thing has got me stumped, mate. I don't like doing a straight straight out to see first match. Could backfire spectacularly, but it could also be a, a genius move. I mean. Mm. If, if, if Turbo doesn't fire, I mean, who, 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 who you see? All of a sudden, you've got, I, I possibly had, what, 100, 110 versus what? Like, you do you go backwards 30 points by having to do Harry Grant or Fafita? I mean, who's your, who's your strap? Well, we're going to talk about some great options real soon. So, <laughs> But right. Ruben Garrick's a VC option as well, I reckon, in this one. But let's move along to the next game. The Knights and the Dolphins. Um, you talked about starting Katoa. 
I'm not there um, on definitely starting Katoa, but it is certainly a matchup for him because look, they are playing away, which I think takes away from the Dolphins. They've had two games at home, but they come into this one where <laughs> there's no other way of saying it. The, the Newcastle Knights were awful last week against the Tigers. It's one of the worst games that you'll see. Um, and they're coming in having a million changes. They've got Caleb Ponga gone, obviously. Gamble comes in. Uh, we've got Phoenix Crossland taking the number nine jersey because Braley's out because of concussion. And Tyson Frizzell's out, replaced by Brady Jones. It's not a good-looking team. They do have Adam Elliott and Kurt Mann also still out too. So they've got a lot of injuries, the Knights. But the Dolphins themselves, I mean, they're going to miss Jeremy Marshall King. He's been really good for them. The rest of the side's the same. I I really don't like this game, to be honest. One of the guys that we didn't talk about was Jermaine Asako. He wasn't in the top 10 most traded in, uh, but he's still getting traded in pretty heavily. It's uh, One of the reasons why I didn't like him was because I just don't know what, how the Dolphins are going to go away from home. And having a look at this, so the night side has become so terrible that yeah, the, the Dolphins could really carve up in this. So I don't even know what to make of it, Billy. Like, I'm I'm probably going to say I'd play all my Dolphins. I'm probably not as confident as you. The hammer looks like golden for a 70-plus, though, so certainly I'm going to play him. When you have multiple base price center three quarters on your bench, it's either taking AE or playing. So it's, it's basically Hopgood and play him or Turbo and take an AE. That, that's all I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just praying that. He'll get a few extra. I'm not asking for a big one. I'm just hoping that he'll score more than the century quarter and offset the A that I would have to take a turbo against big. That's all. That's that's the only logic behind it. I'm not picking him to score anything. I'm just praying and hoping because I don't want to sell clear. That's all. That's fair enough too. Uh, the Roosters play the Rabbits in the next one. Big grudge match every year. And Victor Radley and Jared Weir Hargraves come back. So that's going to help the Roosters out. Brandon Smith is named, but he's also potentially going to be a late scratch still. So you got to watch the team list for that one. For the Bunnies, they got to move it to Tola back and Cello, and that's going to really stuff up the middle minutes. So someone like Shaq Mitchell, I would not be going anywhere near because they've got two big middles that have just come back there. And Cello was playing good minutes off the bench. Um, Shaq Mitchell's been admirable playing bigger minutes. He's going to go back to a smaller role. But Billy, look, this is one where I think we normally look at it and go, oh, geez, this is going to be a tough matchup. But there's been quite a bit of points in these Roosters-South matchups uh, of late, and the Roosters, despite their poor form to start the year or checkered form, they still play pretty well at Allianz Stadium, and they will get up against the Rabbits with those couple of inclusions. The Ford Pack is a bit stronger, so you know, do we think that this is actually going to have pretty good points in it, or do we think it's going to be a bit too dour? And like last year, where six, seven people got simpinned. I reckon it'll probably be a bit dour until Nathan Brown gets there, mate. Then you'll put some spice into that pack. <laughs> well, look. I'm going to pinpoint a pod in this matchup that hasn't been talked about enough. Uh, Lindsay Collins for the Roosters, 455,000, break even of two. He's averaging 65 points a game. He played 77 minutes last week and he played 55 minutes a week before. Jared Rear Hargraves is back. That helps. He's still going to play 55, 60 minutes and he's still going to be in the 60s in points scoring. The, the good thing with him is it's all he's had a lot of base there, 59 and 56 in raw base. So you know you're going to get that good PPM from him. Uh, I At 455,000, if people are needing a front row forward, I really like him. Uh, he's got a buy next week, so it's not ideal, but he is going to go up in a, a bit of cash and become a little bit too expensive later on. So he's someone that I reckon is a decent pod, Billy, um, especially 
with the Roosters still a little bit short in their depth in the middle. Yeah, there's always a few sneaky options like him. Like I, I put him in the same boat as Nelson Asofa when he when he's healthy. Like he, he can he can play some minutes, big impact, and then sort of he can get to the danger zone where he can go over the line at the end too. And it, it's all it's always comparable to blokes like that, that play sort of forty five minutes off the bench. I mean, just because they're not they're not starting doesn't mean they're not they're not valuable. So yeah, it's the same sort of boat. You, you're going to get some decent minutes. He's aggressive as long as he doesn't get sin binned. He's, he's a decent he's a decent option. But he's probably there. He's probably only a buy um, if you're stuck for someone in that price point. He's not really someone you go out. You go out um, shopping for six hundred fifty k and go. Whoa! I'm gonna get get him out of Murray. <laughs> so I already mentioned that Teddy scored one hundred twenty six points against um, the Rabbits before. Yeah. Uh, obviously, no one. I don't think anyone can see him at all with any confidence at the moment. Uh, not but, after last week, and not with not with uh, not with Swale either too. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, obviously, the Troll Mitchell's on the other side as well in this rabbit side. That's a popular option if you own him to C or VC him. 73 and 62 points. He hasn't set the world on fire either. He's averaging a massive 19 and a half points in raw base. Can you see a possibility of VCing either of these guys? Normally, they're two big ones in the Troll Mitchell and James Tedesco. They've both scored tons against each other's clubs before uh, multiple times. Can we see it happening this time around, or do you just think that you stay away and you look at some of those earlier options? No, nah, I mean, you can you can see those guys any any day of the week. It doesn't matter. You look at Latrell in Origin, mate. He absolutely carves up um, high quality teams. So I wouldn't worry about who Latrell's playing. The, the bigger the game, the better he is. Um, his work rate has always been abysmal. He just needs a bit of luck with you know a, a breakaway or making something, being in the right position to make something obsolete. Of nothing with with his um with, with his power or, or even just getting that shuffle ball and being being a sleeper and getting that twenty pointer out, out left so he'll be fine same with same with Teddy doesn't matter who they play they've got some big ones in them but you just never know when they're going to come like that's all but yes you can hundred percent BC them yeah and you got to be playing all your big guns in this don't try and get cute and, and think that you need to to bench anyone or even you know I've seen people selling a Cameron Murray because Murray scored forty points last week and only played 60 minutes. You're not going to get all these guys that started the year playing 80 minutes and stuff, all playing those those huge minutes. It was just an off game for Murray. I wouldn't be selling him. He's still averaging 62 for the year so far. That's not terrible. I am going to hope the Roosters win, but all things considered, I just hope it's a really good game and no one gets sent off at this point. Let's move along to the Titans and the Storm. What a matchup this one's going to be. Jeez, Brian Kelly's back from suspension. Sam Verrills is replaced to talk about Randall uh, with a shoulder injury to Verrills ruling him out. Other than that, on the storm front, they've actually got some good good in. So even though they lost Big Nelson for six weeks, uh, they've got Tarek Sims that's come in who's going to play in the middle now, which is going to be great for the edge owners Aliero and also for particularly Katoa. Uh, Tui Kamakamita has come back into the side earlier than I thought. He's going to start a prop. And we've also got Justin Olin back, which is going to be um, awesome to have him back in that back line because they were really missing some depth. Xavier Coates returns as well after a game. So the Storm look a bit better, Billy. Um, they still look like uh, they're a bit short on their forwards a little, but Tarek Sims is going to help on the bench. Katoa and Liero both look like they've got really good job security though now. Um, I'm looking at them versus Titans side, and the Titans got done by the Dragons, mind you, last week, thinking that anyone that I own from the Melbourne Storm I'm going to be playing this week. So I want to 
that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do that Liero to Preston swap as well, because I was looking at this going, oh, I actually kind of want to play Liero and Katoa this week because against those Titans edges, they could both go quite well. Yeah, it kind of made the same argument for the Dogs round too. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I must admit, last last week I was on on the the big minute watch with King, wondering what was going to happen there, and what, obviously waiting for Tariq Sims to come back and try and figure out. All right, so where does he fit in, in the rotation with um, with, with, with two edges um, and King playing minutes? But Nelson Nelson all of a sudden having 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 injury kind of opens up the discussion a little bit because. King could just be filling in a filling in, 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 in a spot. Uh, Sims could just be filling in a spot. Who, who knows whether he actually goes and plays lock or goes edge, and which which one does he? Whose spot does he take? I would have assumed that it would have been uh, Lawyero, um, but now with Nelson being out, there's so much of a shuffle in that team. You never you don't know what Bellamy was Bellamy was originally thinking before the injuries. So I think it's just a matter of. Uh, Take what you got with that pack and run the points when you can, and see what happens when Nelson comes back. Yeah, I um, I, I like the storm in this one quite a bit. Obviously, you know you normally say that versus the Gold Coast Titans, but what I would say is that the storm looked so bad the first half of last week, and Bellamy, obviously, you know, well documented spray, absolutely sprayed them hardcore at the half, and they came out a lot better. Uh, you don't normally see a Melbourne Storm side come out and make those type of errors or, or, you know, play that poorly two weeks in a row, especially when they get to come up against a side like the Titans who are struggling. So I think last week actually helps them for this week. You know, I, I think they're going to be on for this week and they're going to put some points on the Titans. Uh, so because of that as well, uh, I'm going to give you a Harry Grant stat, Billy, because you asked earlier, you know, if you're going to VC a turbo, who are you going to captain? I'm going to captain Harry Grant because he has scored between 72 to 97 points against the Titans, his career. He's never scored lower than 72 against them. It's always been a 72 to 97 range. I think that's a great safe captaincy. And I think that he's odds on favourite to probably get a try as well this week because he's due one and against the Titans. Jeez, I, I just, I love the matchup so much. I reckon he's going to be more 97 than what he is 72. So I reckon he's a nice safe captaincy bet for the week in this one. Yeah, but Hopkins never scored less than 99. <laughs> <laughs> In his long, illustrious career starting for the Parramatta Eels. He hasn't scored any tries. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, but back to the storm. Yeah, I agree, mate. He's probably only one on two in this game. <laughs> he could really realistically captain him. He, yeah, he would be the logical choice if you're going to go the, uh, the, the, the Turbo VC route, which is probably... Um, Probably the obvious, the obvious choice, but um, I honestly can't really think of anyone else I would rather captain apart from the Friday night games. Oh, Nick Meany, I'm really happy to own for this one. I saw a few people that were on him as a pod starting to sell him because of his 38. He's got 76 round one. I reckon yeah. he, might be, he might be on for a big 90 plus in this one as well. So I'd like to know, I'd like to know how many how many points he actually scored in the second half of, la, of, of last week. You'd have to give him a mulligan in the first half. Like they just did nothing. Mm. There's nothing there for him. So you take the seventy points in the foot, and yeah, you know where I'm going. I was watching a fair bit. I think he scored like seventy five percent of his points in the second half. There you go, mate. Oh, I think the Storm are going to win in a canter in this one. I really do. So I'm I'm all over them. And uh, anyone, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm pretty much going to say never ever playing Card Pereira. Like Card Pereira, 
I think some people looked at last week and thought you could get a try despite his five the week before. He's a never play. Like you just leave him there just to make money in the corner. You're never going to play him, and you're certainly not going to play him this week against the Storm. I don't care how bad the Storm looked last week. Uh, let's move along quickly to the Cowboys and the Warriors. I think everybody really thought that the, the change that everyone wanted was Valentine Holmes to fullback in this one. It's not going to happen. We've got Tom Chester at one, uh, Shibasaki at four. And that's a little bit annoying for the owners. Um, it's obviously not as annoying if you own Drinkwater, who had to go out. But for the Warriors, they've actually got a debutant in the number one jersey as well with Nickel Fox start out. So few big changes for them too at the fullback spot. It's going to be rookie on rookie. But other than that, it's all pretty similar. Jackson Ford is the only big omission for the Warriors for Supercoach. A lot of people got on Jackson Ford last week and he is out. Uh, Cowboys watch as well. For the guy, the people that had Cohen Hess in their team and were hoping to make some money, he's obviously been very disappointing. If you're looking at people to get out because you need to make room, he's someone to consider, not just because he's been scoring abysmally, but because uh, Halem Lukey is in Jersey 18, he's returning from injury. He could very easily take that edge spot back. And then all of a sudden, Hess is back on the bench again. So he's certainly someone to consider and definitely watch what happens with Lukey because he could be taking some of those minutes. Uh, Billy, as far as where this one goes, I am not confident in doing a captaincy on any of these guys. And I'm going to actually make a bold call here and say, even though it's in Townsville, I look at this side and see Shibasaki for the Cowboys at centre and Chester at fullback and think Drinkwater, despite the errors that he can make, is a big part of their attack. And I'm just not that confident that the Cowboys look that fantastic on paper here. And looking at this Warriors side, you know, they played admirably against the Roosters last week, and particularly the Ford pack, I think, can trouble the Cowboys. I'm not going to pick the Warriors, but I really don't like this game for Supercoach, and I think it's a bit of a danger one because I, I struggle to see the Cowboys putting on too many points. That's good. The uh, the people's champion Cotter can cut up through the middle. I don't think I don't think they need a drink water, mate. I think we can uh, utilize the man in the middle. <laughs> I think you can play eighty four minutes and score in the first minute and uh, yeah, seventy nine. No, it'll be a, a, like a four two goal kicking win, just like Fatty's Maroons in what ninety three or whatever it was. Broncos Dragons, the last one on the Saturday slate. Uh, so this one. The Broncos side has Corey Oates out long-term. Um, Jesse, Jesse Arthur's coming into nothing super coach relevant particularly. Anthony Griffin's named the same 17 because the Dragons won last week. So why wouldn't you? Billy, I think that the big focus here is going to be on the Brisbane Broncos. They're playing the Dragons at Suncorp Stadium. You know, on paper, this looks like the Broncos could have really good points scoring in them. Uh, as far as pod captaincies go, it would be a pretty big one to go for a Payne Haas or something because of his lack of upside with the try scoring. But he's been scoring in the 70s again pretty consistently. Looking at this Dragons pack, he could be a safe option. How many minutes has he been playing the last few, the last few weeks? I know he doesn't need uh, big games. But I'm, I'm just, just wondering if maybe he's sort of pulled back pulled back a little bit with the, um, the, the bench and they're not burning him out as much. He's played exactly 65 minutes the last two weeks. Um, so... Averaging yeah, seventy-two yeah. points, playing exactly sixty-five minutes the first two games. Yeah. Well, I can't, I can't see him playing any more minutes. I can see him playing a little bit less, but what, only what five to seven less, and that's if they're absolutely killing, killing them. But mate, playing playing at home on the Saturday evening, um, it's dry up here. He's got to run hard. He's got the offload, tackle busting. I think you can lock him in for a decent score. But if I ha- if I had to choose for a captaincy, I'd hundred percent have. Um, 
um, uh, what do you call it? grant yeah. grant over him. But if you do, if you do own, if you do own him, um, you're doing well. And you've, you've certainly picked very astute. Do you go Reese Walsh as a pod option? I mean, it, it is the ultimate matchup. He's coming off 105. I don't. Nah, I, I don't like him. I just do not like him. I don't. I, I wouldn't want a bank. I, w- I would want someone like him kicking goals because otherwise you end up in a situation like Guffo where, you know, 110, 130, then all of a sudden, you know, 20. Why? What happened? No, you just turned into Guffo. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's, it's, <laughs> same, same, same thing with Walshie, mate. I think, he, I think he's got some brilliant attacking potential. I think that's the reason why, why they bought him. He's, he's, um, he's a Brisbane junior. He's coming back home. He's going to commit to sort of Queensland for uh, the long haul, but is he a consistent uh, super coach player week in, week out? The answer is no. So the other big watch for this one is going to be on Tyrell Sloan. He scored 78 points in his first game and he looked really good in attack. Had only 19 base, which we know, but had 30 in base attack. So his tackle breaks and offloads were there and obviously scored a try as well and um, and had a try assist. So he's, he's one to watch for this game and for future games to see if he can keep it up. But I've got the Broncos winning uh, pretty comfortably in this one, Billy. So I don't own any Broncos. And I'm really worried that I don't own pods like a Mam or a Walsh this week because I think they're going to get paid off a fair bit against this Dragons side. Despite how good the Dragons looked last week, they did look like that against the Titans. It wasn't the Broncos at Suncorp. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much, mate. I think that those guys have the potential to go well, but not, not, not Munster well. So, yeah, I think you can move on safely, buddy. Bulldogs and Tigers. Uh, so, same 17 that went well against the Melbourne Storm last week and and flogged them in the first half and came away with a much-needed victory. I don't think that's very surprising. Um, I, I'm just going to say that guys like uh, Sutton and King continue to play big minutes and Jaden Ockenbore on the bench is helping that as well. Um, obviously, they looked a lot better last week. So playing against a Tiger side that looks terrible is a great matchup for them. For the Tigers, they have made a host of changes. So they got Dane Laurie out with a knee injury. He wasn't dropped like first reported. So Charlie Staines is at uh, uh, fullback. Uh, now we've got Nofaluma dropped. Tommy Talau is out as well with an injury. Um, Jake Simpkin is out as well with an injury. So we've got this really inexperienced back row here, Billy. You've got Fanua Pohl, Sean Bloor, and Kapoa starting at the edge pots in the 13 jersey. Uh, all of a sudden, this forward pack for the Tigers looks really thin. And then you look at the back line and you see, oh, Stafford Tyre and Junior Tupo are playing next to each other at centre and wing. And all of a sudden, anyone that wanted to sell Matt Burton should just look at that and just decide for themselves whether they think it's a good idea this week. Because I just, I look at this Tiger side, just not even on form, but just on their back row and the inexperience in that back line. And it just looks like points. Uh, and that's the thing that keeps worrying me about not having Karaz this week because, it, honestly, that back line just looks terrible. They didn't play well at Leichhardt Oval for two weeks. They're going over to Belmore Oval. Uh, guys like Burton, I'm licking my lips owning him. Uh, I'm probably going to really need to try and get Karaz in. But also the Fords too. You know, Sutton and King playing big minutes at the moment, 55 to 60 minutes. And Kikiao has played poorly, but... He could come good, but the guy that everyone owns now is Preston. He could find some attack. He found some last week, and these edges that he's playing against, pretty weak. So Bulldogs could really fire this week. 
I think they looked really, really good last week. They've got a really good matchup the next couple of weeks. It's, it's the reason I bought Carraz. I, I really think they've got a good platform for this week. Not just for him, but for the whole team. Um, I mean, Marnie's been playing brilliantly. Um, I think the whole team's the mid board, and I just don't want to miss out on, on a key player like Carraz. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% behind there, mate. Well, uh, I'm gonna cho- I'm gonna say that the uh, the dogs are gonna win thirteen plus pretty comfortably in this one. So, I would not be captaining Dewey, um, despite how how good the matchup might have looked a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's especially the rumours. Yeah, that you're right. There has been some rumours that he might have been hurt. Now, I don't want to put some unsubstantiated rumours out there. It was completely unsubstantiated talks that's been going around social media. But you know, as Billy said, it has been mentioned. Uh, and it is one of the later games, so it can really hurt you. So make sure that you keep note of the uh, team changes. Canberra Raiders versus the Cronulla Sharks for the Raiders team. We've got Solo continuing to start a prop. Josh Papali'i, and this is what annoys you about rugby league teams, so I'm going to just finish off with a quick little rant here. Papali'i was possibly round one, and then all of a sudden he was going to miss a week, and we knew he was going to be out a week. He was going to return round two. It's now round three and he hasn't even been named on the extended bench. So someone like Solo, and, and this is where you can kind of luck into Supercoach. You know, I'm not going to go back on what we said, me and Billy, for round one, where we said Solo is a trap, don't go near him, because he's meant to be out of the side. People have gotten lucky where he's still in, but Papa Lee is still out where he's meant to return, you know, after round one. So Solo's going to get a price rise, but, you know, if Canberra were a bit more honest about the injuries and stuff, then maybe we could have seen him as a bit more of an option. But... I digress. Um, for the the Cronulla Sharks, it's basically the same side that they've got. So I have to say, really, that the Raiders have been pretty disappointing. Um, they're now 0 and 2. Guys like Hudson Young have the fourth biggest break even out of anyone in the in the Supercoach game, and guys like Carly Smith Shields have not fired yet as a cheapie. Realistically, they're not looking like they've got very many options at the Canberra Raiders. The Sharkies themselves um, played really well last week. Um, but even they are, are looking a little bit super coach irrelevant until Nico gets back in. Are you liking any of these guys at the moment for this matchup? I'm liking selling uh, shields. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not looking at buying anyone, mate. Just getting rid of them at the moment. Exactly what you said. Um, there are a couple of sort of mid-price guys that might have had some uh, attacking potential. Um, but when it comes down to it, they haven't really done anything yet, and I don't want to do anything with sharks without Hines. Yeah, you might have a watch on blokes like sort of Kennedy and Talakai to see how they actually um, perform over the next few weeks. Maybe maybe they still continue scoring or sort of bot, or, or bottom out, ready to score. But um, no, look, I think the the only winner here is probably T. Wilton off the back of the um, the um, the way the way Graham being out, maybe getting sort of 80, 80, 80 minutes there. But out, outside him, and I wouldn't be buying him. It's just more if you're. Uh, um, best of luck with him. Yeah, I think everybody for Supercoach really wants to pray that the Raiders step up because you got guys like Mulatalo has 115 break-even, Katoa has 98, Talakai has a 94 break-even. Uh, all these guys are going to get real cheap in a couple of weeks if they keep on going like this. And they're going to be pretty good options. Um, Nico's obviously back next week, but these guys could get, you know, drop 30, 40, 50 grand this week. Uh, if they don't show up against the Raiders. So that's going to be the big watches, I think. Um, I I actually think the Raiders will get them in this one, um, but a pretty uneventful game for Supercoach, really. And look, that's 
not a great one to finish up on, Billy. You know, I really want to talk a little bit more about a, a really great final game, but it just seems to be that the NFL draw ends up finishing every round with a game that's either largely super coach irrelevant or just an absolute stinker. Well, is it is a significant improvement on last Sunday, put it that way. <laughs> those oh, honestly, those <laughs> those games last Sunday, <laughs> Jesus Christ, to have both of them that bad. And it was so frustrating for Supercoach as well. It's like if you've got a terrible quality game, you at least want to take some Supercoach out of it. And if you don't get either, like you get a terrible game and you get terrible Supercoach, it's just a bad Sunday. It's a bad way to finish your weekend. Oh, mate, the Tigers game was that bad. It was like, oh, man, I'm going to turn this off and go play with the kids. (laughs) It was was horrible. Yeah, I mean, the other game wasn't much better with the Dragons and the Titans. I mean, everyone thought the Dragons were going to hit the wooden spoon and they beat the Titans 32-18. I mean, they did have a lot of tries, but it just it wasn't very good football. Let's just hope for a better round. All right, let's just pray for a better round. Billy, that is the Round 3 TLT Supercoach podcast done and dusted. Thanks very much for jumping on. Always great to chat to you, but a very important week to talk to you this week, so I made sure I got you on for the break-evens week because big week for Supercoach. Thanks, mate. Always enjoy it. But, uh, I'm not sure I'd be able to uh, come on to your Friday podcast. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more numbers and technical uh, footy. I don't actually understand the game as much as you other guess. So happy to do a Tuesday anytime, mate, but leave the Fridays to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Well, speaking about experts, I don't know if we're experts, but we'll certainly rant a lot this week because we've got Luke Garrity on, Trading Newcastle Knights fan, co-host of the Rugby League Cemetery podcast and massive, massive jersey collector. He's going to be on doing the Talking Footy podcast this week. That'll be out Thursday before the round kicks off, so you can listen to that if you just want to listen to some rugby league talk, and we're going to dissect all the topics that matter in rugby league right now. But otherwise, you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe on all those as well. Make sure you share them around, and also make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Check out the break-evens and make sure you make the right decisions this week because it is a huge week in Supercoach. Good luck with your teams. Good luck with all the decisions. There is a lot of them this week. There is also a lot of great footy. Can't wait to talk to everyone once again about Supercoach next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.